Hello, I'm Lucas Meldrum and welcome to That Windsor Podcast. This is the podcast where we'll have conversations with people in and around the Windsor community. Since a lot of us are stuck at home, I thought I'd bring that beach talk to the comfort of your home. Each episode will have new guests and a general topic. This is a bit of an experiment for me, so any feedback and help will be much appreciated. If you don't know me, hello, I'm Lucas. I'm a pretty typical 19-year-old from Brighton, England, except I'm fully addicted to windsurfing. I compete in UK pro events, and like everyone, I'm trying to get better and better. I've also got my YouTube channel with this podcast, as well as behind the scenes of my windsurfing life and trips. So go check it out and be sure to subscribe. Anyway, enough about me, let's get into the podcast. What was the question, sorry? I like it, I was just dreaming of windsurfing. You can never complete the game. Don't touch me with it. You just cut out the first 55 minutes, you should be all right. (laughs) This is the first episode of That Windsurf Podcast. I have two legends of the sport with me today. They've been pulling my leg all day long, but somehow we're all here, we've made it. Um, And anyway, I'm joined with Irish ripper Timo Mullen and uh, multidisciplined Ross Williams. Hello, welcome. Ooh. How's everyone doing? <laughs> Multi- yeah. I, I didn't get called multidiscipline. Oh, I no, you didn't, mate. Well, ripper. <laughs> you got ripper. All ripper. Are you do, how do you oh. define ripper? I don't know. Ripping through what? gear, maybe? Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So how are you guys doing anyway? How are you coping with uh, the old coronavirus? Oh, we want, I'm going to touch on it quickly, but obviously not too long. So, oh, don't um, touch me with it anyway geez. yeah yeah you don't want me to, uh, we're on yeah. i'm on i'm on full lockdown i've been on lockdown for three weeks now because uh we actually went in a week earlier than everyone else like don't ask me why and uh yes is that in, is that down in pool in bournemouth timo yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh. I've been on lockdown for three weeks, and yeah, it, it's actually not too bad. Um, there's the there's this lady who lives in my house. Um, I've actually never met her before. It turns out she's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> she's the one that's been cleaning the house and making it look nice, mate. Like amazing, like you know, they're saying like you know, big round of applause for the NHS. It's all these wives. They've been keeping the country going. Amazing work, That's Roscoe. For sure. Yeah. Um, on the yeah, the Isle of Wight. I mean, we're a little bit. You know, we're isolated a little bit down here. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's been really nice for me. Obviously, there's, there's a disaster going on for for the country and the rest of the world. Uh, but actually, getting to spend a bit of time with my newborn. Uh, baby and and my wife is it's you know it's a blessing really uh even you know uh yes it's been really nice to spend some time at home and not have to rush off anywhere but obviously considering the circumstances it's not all that great but mm-hmm. well i've seen on social media too you've had you've had pretty strong views on on staying at home and it's been a bit tricky with the the whole windsurfing and water sports aspect. There's been a lot of should you go, should you not go. Yeah, uh, I I, I dug myself a bit of a hole by like taking quite a strong stance on it, because uh, obviously after two weeks, all I want to do is go windsurfing and surfing, and we had quite a good run of uh, South Coast swell there uh, last week with beautiful weather and. 
Actually, the windsurfing hasn't been so hard. It's actually just being out of the water, I think. And uh, I think tomorrow is going to be a hard one because it's like wall-to-wall sunshine, east strong east winds. But I think mm. the overriding thing is, is just, we're lucky it is winter in a way. Uh, I don't want to make it sound like uh, anything's lucky about this, but um, it's not winter. Uh, whatever conditions we get now are kind of like bonus conditions anyway. So there's people going through a lot worse stuff than we are by just missing a few sessions. So it's that unity, I think, more than anything. I don't actually think there's anything dangerous about going windsurfing or going for a surf but i mm. think it's just the the image of it as well of going out on the water and you know it's being in this together i guess is the thing you want to get it's across. really really tricky because yeah yeah for me i'm finding it really difficult because uh uh for for some of my some of the aspects of my job as a professional windsurfer i've got things that which i actually do need to get done uh i've got wave cells that need to be finalized tested to be put in production i've got uh some wing wing foils and some wings that need to be tested Hold um, on, I gotta write struggle. all this stuff down. I, I need to say this to the police <laughs> when I'm yeah, like, actually, going to the no, beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it is. It's it's a tricky one. So far I've not gone in, in the water and I really yeah, it's it's tricky. I hear like in Cornwall, like they're allowing people to go in surfing. I don't know if that's yeah, if that's they're the like case, they're surfing every day in Cornwall. I think you know, like my my job and getting paid is resting on on whether I can do these perform these tasks for my for my sponsors. Uh, as stupid as that sounds, considering the situation some people are going through, but you know, like I find myself in a little bit of a bind where I don't really fit into any of these uh getting any any of these uh, benefits from the government that have set out so i'm not self-employed i'm employed by my own company um and yeah okay i could i could uh, i could i could i could uh, uh pay myself 80 percent know yourself yeah exactly but it actually to, to be able to claim that you're supposed to uh not take part in any kind of business aspect of as at far all. as what I read anyway at all. So like I can't answer an email uh, to a shop, which is another part of my job. I can't uh, do, you know, I can't uh, bring any income to my, to the company. So where I'm not, I still yet to understand how I can go forward. So I've just kind of been left in limbo. Timo, maybe you can, Maybe you I'm exactly the same boat. I'm exactly the same boat. Where do we? Where does that leave us? You know. Um, so I, I'm actually, I'm sure Ross <laughs> is the same. As far as the HMRC and the tax people are concerned, I'm a salesman, stroke professional windsurfer. That's what I'm actually on my books. Yeah. And so technically, 
uh, I don't. I actually don't get any support from the government either. I fall outside yeah. of all the schemes. Um, yeah. So essentially, at the minute, I'm earning no money. So, yeah. which isn't great. Uh, so the only way I could earn money is to get out there uh again like ross promote my sponsors whatever but it's just one of those things you know i don't you know i don't, I don't think as a professional windsurfer the last thing i think either myself or ross would want would be well the one thing we would want is to get front page coverage of a national newspaper <laughs> but i think <laughs> we wouldn't want to be front page for uh look at these idiots about windsurfing which which yeah. You know, it, you could argue isn't fair on ourselves because we don't get any help from the government because of the situation, and therefore we can't do our jobs. But it is what it is, and yeah, we just got to hope that it's over soon and be positive. I think the key thing is be positive, and as you got pretty <laughs> two pretty positive guys on the yeah. podcast here who like. I think that's in our DNA is like to look forward, not back. So personally, I think the government needed to make uh, either a stronger, a stronger message. Yeah. Yeah. A stronger message in that, um, what you can and can't do because, you know, to see surfers surfing in Cornwall with, you know no problems from the police whatsoever the police are quite vocal about that if you uh are clo- live close to the beach which myself and ross both do that you can actually go surfing um you live sort of walking distance or how would you go i can see it from as i can see it from just literally out my window it's right down there and actually tomorrow is going to be absolutely at your oh, home spot. At my home spot, like I could fully just, you know, probably go down. I could walk down there. It's probably 500 meters away from me. I think the um, frustrating thing for myself is uh, we're, we're literally seeing the uh, Tour de France go past our house every single, like, you look out the, the window every five <laughs> yeah. minutes. Yeah. It's like Tour de France, Tour de France, Tour yeah. de France. Uh, like it's never been like that so it's suddenly you know all the cyclists um are and people who probably have never cycled are suddenly now cycling you know uh, more dangerous i feel cycling is compared to you know going out in the water it's a lot softer hidden water than it is yeah you know, I, I, I don't know if anyone else has noticed, maybe not so much in the Isle of Wight, but there is people just going like hell for leather in their cars on the road at the minute because the roads are empty, like it's a racetrack. So yeah. the last place I'd want to be is on a bike. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. I went paddleboarding about two weeks ago and I can cycle to the storage on the beach. And the cycling was far more dangerous than the actual paddleboarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, exactly. It's, yeah, it's a tricky situation that we're in. Tell you what, I'm actually noticing now what maybe some of my friends have go through with. I know Ross, your wife's pretty understanding because it's your job. Likewise mm-hmm. for my wife, but my friends are always going like, 
how'd you get away with it? Like, you just always <laughs> get to go windsurfing. And now I see it more from their eyes, you know, is that not being able to go is when it's on is like, that's hard. You know, I've never had that in my life ever. So. I, I doubt my wife will ever experience that feeling of, God, she's missing a day of windsurfing. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can understand. You know, like maybe a day of shopping and blasting the credit card. <laughs> Been interesting to talk to you about the the current situation. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that was like forty five minutes, wasn't it? Already gone past the whole. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to start off by sort of talking to you guys. Just your general sort of how did you start? Where did you start? And sort of your sort of story in windsurfing a bit. Yeah, I uh, my dad. Uh, was one of the first windsurfers in Ireland and uh, there was about three or four guys all started at the same time uh, we're actually from Northern Ireland and my dad had a shop selling boats and stuff like that there and chandlery and then he brought some windsurfers back and I think it was like the Dufour Sun and the Dufour Wing. Uh, it was a French brand. Um, and he taught himself. And then he brought a Mickey Mouse windsurf board. They were Disney boards. Uh, they were made in the UK. Yeah, like you could say there's a lot of Mickey Mouse brands in the windsurfing industry, but this really was. Um, and we learned to windsurf on that. We fortunate that we lived right opposite the sea and uh yeah i learned when i was six years old and then went off and played football bmx did all that stuff didn't really do much windsurfing only did it in the summer when my dad sort of took the board out and then when i was about 14 i remember going like, I want to do that. I, I don't want to play football or stuff like that anymore. And then I got a Vinta 330 uh, board with an F2 par cut 4.5 sail. And got in the foot straps, learned to water start, and then that was it. So, yeah, so I've been windsurfing. I'm 48 now. So... Yeah, I could say yeah, I could say I've been windsurfing forty two years, but I haven't. I've been windsurfing since I was fourteen, so thirty four years. I'd say I've been properly windsurfing. I think when you've been in the foot straps, I'd say that's a good gauge to say when you started. Yeah. Brutal. That's probably that. I probably haven't got there then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I my story started on the Isle of Wight where I grew up. And uh, my family had a water sports center on in Sandown Bay. And from, my, from the earliest I can remember, uh, which was probably last week, <laughs> I was, <laughs> no, but, uh, from about five years old, I think I was in the water trying to pull up these big sails. I can't even remember. I remember seeing a, uh, a board that had UFO written on it. And that thing was heavy and absolutely no non-slip on it. And then these sails, which were like, I don't know, they were massive for me. So I was just, I would, I'd be tied to a boy. And so I couldn't go anywhere. Even if I could uphaul, 
I couldn't go anywhere, which I couldn't in the in the beginning. I just watched my brothers being able to do it, and then eventually, as I got older, I would be able to lift the sail out of the water, go in one direction. I would slowly, pretty much drift out to the horizon, wait for a rescue boat to come pick me up and take me back back to the shore. And then eventually, I learned to turn around. And my uncle was a big influence on my windsurfing. Uh, all my family were, you know, my big, my older brothers and my dad. But my uncle was the first one that would, took me away to a windsurfing competition. And that was probably when I was about nine years old. We would always go down to Weymouth and do the RYA Youth Nationals, which is during the summer months, I think end of, end of August. And so a group of us on the Isle of Wight would go down with my uncle and he would take us to the Youth Nationals. And that would be our, like our yearly event to do. And then from there, I used to, uh, I would start to do more national events, do the trials to be in the uh, Great Britain squad. And then from there, I would compete internationally. Um, this is on Tigre at the time. So it's from the ages of 13 to 15 i would be competing in tigre low and then i went into mr one design uh which was the olympic board at the time but by then i was already over kind of the 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 longboarding scene i wanted to uh i wanted to get in anytime it was windy i wanted to be on a short board go as fast as i can jump as high as i i could and so after about a year, I kind of dropped out of that. And then I started doing the UK, uh, I think it was BWA or something like that uh, back then. And from there, uh, I progressed and started to get a few good results. And people like Jamie Hawkins helped me, trained me to get better at racing, at competing and at getting sponsors. So once I got sponsors and I was starting to do well at a national level, I was looking to compete internationally and I would start by doing the IFCA and then from IFCA I progressed to doing one or two world tour events and then once I got a couple of reasonable results there, then I had the sponsorship to be able to go on the full world tour. So, And I've been doing the world tour for about 20 years now, so... That's scary for me to hear because, you see, I remember Ross in Tyree Wife class. It was probably the first time I actually met Ross. And he was this 17-year-old kid, like full grom, <laughs> long hair down to like... Down to, like I, was, I, I was probably 15 at that that, that age, actually, Timo, if, I, if I'm honest. I think that if I remember correctly... I think I was 15. I think Tushin in Blue Sail, I think I had. Yeah, there was yeah. Nigel Hoyle, John Nigel Carter, yes. myself, my brother, Danny Seals, Tristan, yeah. <laughs> uh, your brother, Scott. That was our crew. Yeah. But, but it's, yeah, it's scary to think that Ross has done now 20 years in the PWA. You see, I still think of Ross as like, <laughs> you know, if he, he said he'd done 10 years in the PWA, I'd be like, Flipping egg, that's a that's a long stint, but yeah, it's yeah. good. And Ross, you yeah. started you so you started with the slalom. Well, I started doing like like as most like young kids do. Uh, their parents are looking to push them into something that is like has a format, has some sort of you know structure. 
structure to it. And the RYA has this structure to put you into racing, uh, to kind of prime you up to go into like this path, which is kind of the Olympic path. And to a certain point, that's great, you know, but uh, when you, at some point, a lot of really talented sailors, I feel, fall out of that category because either they don't want to do it because either they they lost interest in it they they're not maybe physically uh equipped for that you know they're not the correct way or or you know like there's a whole bunch of reasons why someone might fall out of it but they're great windsurfers and we and then we can we kind of lose them a little bit i was fortunate enough to be able to take my windsurfing away from that kind of you know, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to train. You got to do this. I think. I think for for me on that was I loved slalom as well. That's what I grew up doing. It was so much fun. It's the ultimate level of competitiveness. It's not subjective. It. That's what I love about. Um, it's the one thing I don't like about wave sailing, but it's the thing I love about slalom and speed sailing. <laughs> it's. Whoever crosses that line first... It's done. It's done. It's done. You can't argue with it. It's done. Whoever went 50 knots, it's done. And But I think the one thing I get what Ross is saying about people falling through is um, because windsurf isn't a sport that makes you express yourself and be a little bit different. And I think maybe the racing side and the RYA side of things... um, maybe doesn't allow such that uh, expression of, yeah. you know, what your I mean, talent, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of, say, there's a few say, I mean, there's not so many, but a lot of the kids go in and that's the system that they fall into. There's a few sailors that are outside of that box, like yourself, and, uh, you know, like there's there's people like Nick. Swifty Hitty, even. Swifty. Uh, you know that that you know like they were just mad keen on windsurfing and kind of you know they they kind of follow their own path but for a major unfortunately for the majority of of us we get we get kind of pushed down this this path which maybe doesn't you know for a while it's great and it's it's awesome but once you kind of lose your interest yeah I, I, what i see there's is nothing there's nothing to back back up yeah. and bring it in so that's yeah. why i've always been when i do anything in the uk now like if i go and i do like a weymouth uh slalom clinic or something or or uh, just a windsurfing you know just trying to get people on the on the water trying to get kids that maybe are slipping through that 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 gap and i'm just trying to bring them in and just try to hold them in the sport because it's such a such a great sport uh there's no comparison when you're on the water by yourself and you're having a good time doesn't matter if you're wave sailing or if you're going fast on the slalom board at that thrill that you get you're like playing your favorite song in your head you're like just having a a i always say it's when i hear of people dropping out of windsurfing like you get older guys do it when they have kids and they go oh i'm just gonna take a break and i go 
man, it's the one of the hardest sports to do in the world. <laughs> and you see these guys who have got to such a level, they're pretty talented, you know, yeah. like being able to do a jump on a windsurfer is just a pretty talented thing to do, full stop. And when I hear them drop out, I go, no, why have you done that? Like, you've just given up one of the most talented things and it took you so long to get there. And I think, like, what the RYA do is amazing with, like, the Team 15. Like, I can't wait for my kids to start it. But I think I agree with Ross, you know, if once you go past Team 15 and you maybe haven't met the grade, um, it doesn't mean to say you are you you're, you have you failed at windsurfing. It's just you just didn't have that um, urge or talent for racing, possibly. But it's generally then that's the guys that you know you see then falling into the wave sailing or the freestyle. Yeah, I think those kind of people as well tend to be kind of the more creative kind of. Maybe you're not a complete you know like athlete it takes a you know like it it takes an immense amount of dedication to go down to fully go down that route and become an olympic champion or do the olympic route it takes an amazing amount of talent and dedication and being able to listen to others and to take on board what your coaches and stuff are are telling you so it doesn't always fit everyone to you know because it didn't fit me I like to try and offer and make sure that people try to enjoy their windsurfing outside of that. You know, like there's, there's loads of things, whether you take it seriously, whether you want to compete, whether you just, whether you just want to go for a blast with your mates, then there's something more than that. It doesn't end. Things like Ross, you were the same as me. Um, When I was, I know Lucas, you're a bit, like this like as my mum and dad let me go away on my first first windsurfing holiday the Lanzarote when I was 15 and <laughs> Christ if they knew what I got up to on that <laughs> trip you know but like we I was able to go with one of my best friends Kieran from um, Northern Ireland and we went away and we remember the PWA event was on in Costa de Guise and there was all the superstars of the sport were there. I remember Nick Baker, Dunkerbeck, um, like Eric Tiemi and all these guys. And I think that's like one side of windsurfing that, you know, it it's you're not going on a holiday at Ibiza with your mates. You're going to Vastaliki, the Canary Islands, and that's the kind of part of our sport, I think, that's... Um, young people should it be so, should be sold to the young people more like that there like this is like like going on a ski holiday that's mm. what you know windsurfing's like way more fun than that even you also don't need to go so far abroad to to find like these amazing conditions you know the great britain ireland northern ireland we have amazing conditions here right on our doorstep and like you can just go down the road and on the right day when there's a good bit of wind, there can be great sessions to be had, whether you're just a freestyler, free rider, foiler, wave sailor, like it's just so like it it should be an appealing sport to people, especially in the here in the UK, because it the freedom you get and the self expression that you can get for all these different forms of windsurfing is totally amazing. 
I think that's where myself and Ross are probably on the same book. We both think the best place in the world to go windsurfing is the UK. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's pretty, yeah, it's, which makes yeah. everyone go like, what? And like, <laughs> you know, you could argue that we've been placed in that position, that we're now, that is where we do the most of our windsurfing. I'm more than happy with that. And like, I don't go, yeah, I'd love to go back to Maui. I'd love to go back to Australia and all these places. But, you know, I'm quite content being stuck in the UK. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'm more like I can be in Maui or uh, South Africa or Chile or somewhere like that. And if I know that my home spot is firing, I think I'm more annoyed about that and missing that than i am uh like if i hear our oh, maui was insane jaws was breaking da, 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 you know like i'm more annoyed when i miss my if i know that there's a good tide there's a good bit of wind there's a good bit of waves at my local spot and i missed it i'm gutted <laughs> yeah i think it's like you know when you know a spot so well when you sailed it so many times it's like that's that's the place where you can have the most fun and when your spot goes off then uh, and you're not there then it's it's definitely I'd agree is the worst yeah thing. you get I mean like having your local spot yeah you, you you kind of you know you you know that spot you you're comfortable there and I think like you're able to push yourself maybe a little bit more because you know you you know it so well you know where how the wave's gonna break so you're able to maybe without having you know because i sail quite often alone on the island and most of the time if you're sailing alone in a spot where conditions are pretty full-on you tend to sail a bit safe but i think just because it's my local spot and i've sailed it a million times like it doesn't matter how big or how kind of gnarly or like kind of unappealing it is to be in the water it just you're like yep I know this so well. I know this. I know the wave's going to break like that. So I'm just still going to push myself right I'll to tell you what. I, I, when Ross says that about knowing your local spot, and you don't, you literally don't care how big it gets at your local spot. It could be, <laughs> if it was possible, if it could be triple mast high, you'd be like, oh, sick. It's yeah. like <laughs> my spot. But I always try and like when I go to somewhere new and I'm. I'm always intimidated when I sail new spots. I like will always be like, oh my God, it's massive. And it it's probably not that big, but I look at them and go like, oh, what could happen here? I could get trashed on the reef. I could go in the rocks. And I always try to put in my head space. Imagine it was just a day at your local spot. You wouldn't even be any yeah. of these thoughts going through your head. Every time I go to a new spot where it's firing, and I actually, I was in France recently this winter with Thomas Traversa, and it was huge. It was like one of these spots at Traversa was like... I saw that. That looked insane. Yeah, yeah it, and it and was. He just tears the bag out of it. <laughs> yeah, he's tearing the bag out of it. it was, I guess it, it is his local spot, mm. but I felt so bad. Like, I was awful. Like, uh, but, and I just couldn't get into it. 
I like I still windsurfed. I caught some good waves, but I yeah, couldn't. But I, I heard that it. like you you drove like all through the night to get to this <laughs> spot. With like JC told me like uh, that you drove through all through the night to get to that spot to rig up and go out the next day and it, yeah it's 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 a difficult one you know like I think like um, as you do get a little bit older and yeah you 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 take less risks and you you just want to I I much prefer to be sailing slightly smaller waves. And to be doing here, clean, here. clean lines <laughs> and stuff, then rather like throwing myself in at, at like a massive spot, which maybe if it was my local spot, I'd feel comfortable, but like, uh, and, and not be able to fully kind of get into the group. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. I'd far rather sell a spot. I can uh, relax and push. Do yeah, what I think I there was a time that do. we were we were maybe chasing that, and we'd be happy to do that. And and yeah. you know, like for sure, you know, like it's it's you know, like there's yeah, people like Thomas thrive on that. You know, there's something about like once you know how to sail a spot and you can sail it good, it's like a it's a, watching an art art form. Yeah. I mean, like watching. Yeah, Thomas sailing that spot in France, or or you watch like Brasinho sailing Jaws now. That's and another level. <laughs> like that guy is like crafting his art. It's such a nice thing to watch. You just go, wow, this guy is dialed. Everything he's doing on that wave, you know, just looks smooth, fluid. It makes it look like it could be a a much smaller wave, less intimidating wave. Yeah, he's just got so adapted to that. And again, know, it's his home like, spot. There oh, you yeah, go. Home spot. Whenever it's breaking, he's always been out. He's put the time in over there. Yeah. So Timo, where, what is actually your home spot now? Because you got a couple of houses now, haven't you? So yeah, so I'd still call my home spot like down. My home spot is still Northern Ireland. Okay. Um, the place that I grew up wave sailing is Macaroti in Donegal. Oh, that place so is that's, great. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'd still, I'd still call that my home spot. I, you know, um, but now my work took me to Pool in Dorset, and we've actually just recently moved house um, to be closer to Kimmeridge. So we live about. 11 minutes exactly <laughs> from Kimmeridge now and yeah and then eight years ago I had an opportunity to invest in some land in Cornwall in Aguidian um, and it was a plot of land a little small plot of land that nobody else wanted to buy because it was literally a really small plot of land but uh fair play i went to plymouth university and the guy i went to university with a uh, windsurfer called andy ramus uh he's an architect and i remember seeing meeting him at the beach in cornwall and i was like hey andy like you still doing architecture and like bearing in mind i hadn't seen this guy since university so like 20 years and he went yeah 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 i still do it a little bit totally playing it down and I said oh tell you what I'll swap you 
uh, a windsurf board that he wanted. He was asking me about a 90 liter wave board. Uh, and I said, okay, I'll give you the board if you design my house for me. And he was like, yeah, 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 that's fine. And we shook on it. And anyway, he managed to make this small plot of land. Uh, the house that he designed for us is like a little TARDIS. So, you know, he made this perfect little house. He made it economical as well. So we were able to build it at not a huge expense. And uh, I remember going, like, I'll make this quick. I remember going to see Andy at his offices just to finalize the drawings. And I walk into these offices and, like, I'm like, this is quite a pimp office. And I'm walking up the stairways <laughs> and there's all these front covers of Grand Designs magazine. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-oh. And I get in and like, Andy's there and it's an office full of, like, 25 people. And... Andy's obviously the boss. And I go, dude, like, you didn't tell me you were a big thing. And he was like, oh, well, you know, I just wanted to help you out. And, he, and he, <laughs> then he told me, like, he didn't normally, like, they don't normally do many designs that are under, like, two, three million pounds. You know, so I was pretty lucky in that. And uh, anyway, we built our house in Cornwall, Aquidian, and that's right on the beach. So we kind there, of... That's that's awesome. Yeah. That spot, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. should have. Um, <laughs> we should have. We should have really uh, picked where we were going to be before the lockdown, I guess, because uh, <laughs> I would have been surfing every day. And uh, but hey, hey, my my home is in uh, Dorset, so yeah, that's where we are. So, what do you think is the? Would you say is the top five locations for the World Tour sailors? Whether that be wave sailors or, or slalom sailors yeah i mean i mean with slalom i top guess three slalom spots ross top, top three, three slalom spots yeah. i mean anywhere is good for slalom it's who you go with so it's like putting yourself amongst i mean to a little bit as well with wave sailing uh but you know like it wherever there's a good slalom scene and there's good um level to compete against uh there's it's it's good to go so like right now like the obviously the most hottest place is probably tenerife uh there's uh, most of the boys now are over there and uh doing winter training over there um and you can see through the results how well that that's kind of benefited a whole bunch of them and secondly probably tarifa I would say is yeah. second on that list as uh, there's a, you know, the, a lot of the French travel down and they uh, train there as well as there's a lot of uh, it's, it's always been quite a influential spot in windsurfing. And then phew, third, I mean, outside of those two, two spots for slalom, I mean, you can, you can be anywhere. Marseille, Marseille has a, a good scene. You know, lots of good races in France. So, you know, and a lot of the top French sailors seem to be able to travel and 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 go and uh, to these uh, these other places. But Marseille has a good amount of wind, a lot of different spots, and uh, it has a good level of sailor there. For wave sailing, um, Maui is still for me the the top. 
top place for people to go improve themselves at Hookeeper. If you're if you're if you're rip, if you rip that place apart, chances are you can go anywhere on on the planet and be ripping. So yeah. Maui number one, South Africa number two. Um, I think you know, like uh, we used to go there go there a lot, Timo, didn't we? Like back we in did. the early two thousands, <laughs> which was absolutely awesome. Uh, but now there seems to be again a resurgence of of the younger generation going there as part of their winter travel plans, and then probably you know in equal amounts probably the the rest of the uh, Canary Islands as also they you know to sail well in the Canaries you've got to spend time in Pozo in Tenerife and learning learning to sail with your three point three or you know, your small sale. So those are my top three destinations. Where I prefer to go sailing is probably somewhere else. For me, that's not so important anymore to be uh, one of the best at one of those spots. But I like to go to Chile. I like to go anywhere where there's a long, anywhere in Ireland would be good. Anywhere in the UK, anywhere that has a nice way. (laughs) I think like when... Myself and Ross and all our gang when we were younger, like Skyboy, you know, Ozzy, Danny Seals, all these guys, like when we were growing up, there wasn't such a focus on being good uh, at one spot um, to make it as a professional windsurfer, you know, in contests. The biggest, I'd say, I don't know if Ross agrees with this, but the biggest influence on my wave sailing was you had to prove yourself to be good at everything in wave sailing. So if somebody said, oh, that guy there, he's really good. He's amazing on starboard tack. But that didn't cut it for us guys. We were like, you had to, You that would that would blow me me down if somebody said, oh, Timo, he's really good on port tack, not so good on starboard. <laughs> that would just break our hearts. Like you, you, the biggest goal was you had to be good at it all. Jump in, wave yeah. riding, starboard tack, Well, I think, again, tack. that's probably, yeah, that's probably because we're coming from the the UK and this small little island that we, islands that we live on here. You know, like we have the options of port, pack, starboard. Yeah, you know, so like competitions were 50%, probably 50% starboard tack, 50% port tack. So you weren't going to be one of, you weren't going to be a guy unless you could do it on both tacks. So, yeah, you know, like I think, a I think- lot, you know, for a lot of years, the PWA was very much like, a, and to a point still is very much a port tack wave tour yeah yeah yeah. well maybe not so much now but like it's definitely had stronger years of like being heavily weighted towards being a port tack strong strong wind jumping but i think i think what it did as well was um when we were younger and it's kind of i feel for the younger generation a little bit that the, the focus has drifted away from it is that when we were younger, the goals were number one, you had to go to Maui. That was like bucket list. Number one, 
bucket list number two was going to Western Australia. And the reason for both those spots, I guess, was they had the most consistent, amazing wave riding, which was the overriding thing that you wanted to learn to do well. You know, that was your tick box, you know, like if you could wave ride well, then you kind of, you you knew that the rest just needed practice. You know, if you wanted to learn to jump, you just needed to go to, we, we, we all used to go to Gincho actually in Portugal to learn to jump, (laughs) to learn to starboard tack jump. We were just like, okay, you go to Gincho for three weeks. That was a great place. Like it would be be awesome to see, see the world tour go back. Somewhere like that, Gincho. Uh, yeah, it's really one of the yeah. best places in Europe for starboard attack jumping and out of controlness, wasn't it? Yeah, but it, it's, it's at the same time it's a good thing as well because when you go to these really like amazing wave riding spots in the world, um, they're not as crowded as they were back twenty years ago. Amazingly, so is because the focus has drifted away from them because you can't jump you know like those spots are oh, the jumping's rubbish so you don't get so many of the pro sailors who are inevitably the better windsurfers who probably are the ones who are, are going to get take all the waves so <laughs> south africa's become so popular i guess south africa i think is is like jumping it's wise. still a sick yeah sick <laughs> yeah south africa's probably got everything hasn't it so yeah my thing of for traveling back in the day was to always go somewhere uh, that had good wave riding. If you could jump, yeah, whatever, that was cool. But wave riding, you you know, just because I, like probably be able to wave ride into my 60s or something, but I don't think I would be able to jump, you know, do double loops or whatever that people not that I do them anyway but like what the people are doing now on the world tour you just you, your body just takes a hammer in I think so yeah. way riding it's nice to have a little bit of that class and be able to still be able to and wave ride in strong winds or light winds because it just allows you to be enjoying that side of windsurfing into your later life which whereas like if you were just jumping I think your your windsurfing five years done. Yeah, just, you know, respect to what all those guys do, but they their bodies must be hammered. So we talked about sort of the spots around the world and the place to train and the places that you you'd like to go to, and sort of the other side to this is the well in the UK you both sort of travelled to a lot of locations. Um, secret spots i guess when you when you go looking for these spots well how do you go about it and i guess you're looking for wave riding basically is the main thing yeah there i wouldn't even say they're secret spots like none of them are secret because i find out about them ross find out about them um they're more just they're generally all fine from um just reading and scrolling through surf mags yeah i think surf magazines surfing is the biggest influence you know if you can yeah if you can find a spot that you know like oh that looks like it's that has a nice reef off of it you know and like there's a good wind and then you then you maybe check and you'll see oh yeah that there's potentially 
you know, there's no big hills that are blocking wind. And you, then you're like, okay, cool. like so you look at it through like a surfer's eyes you're like okay if i go there there's no wind there could be good waves and i can go surfing but if there's wind and there's waves i want to be at a wave sail there was a a fantastic magazine um called surfer's path and uh, it was a uk magazine it was sold all over the world actually as well but it was amazingly well written and the stories that they ran were always from spots that were off the beaten track. And you would read the, the content of the, what the surfers had wrote. And they'd always say, and it would always be the thing that would give you like, you know, like make your, <laughs> the, the, the hairs in the back of your neck stand up when they would go. If only the wind. There yeah, <laughs> there, was, there was two days where the wind just blew relentless cross offshore, making yeah. it impossible to surf. And you were just like, <laughs> what? Yeah. So, the, and sometimes they would say that it was southwesterly wind, or like they'd call it the devil wind. The northwest wind would blow, and it was cross offshore. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, this was back in the days before Google Maps and stuff like that, there. And you just have to get out like the AA road atlas and literally get a magnifying glass and a set square and set true north on the map, draw the line, and then you just going along and you're you're actually mind windsurfing the yellow golden bit on the map because back then even I think as well you didn't you weren't thinking about reefs. You were just looking for a beach. Yeah, and if you saw the yellow sandy bit, you went, "Okay, we can windsurf there." But now, moving on, you then started to realize, "Okay, it's a reef." So you actually just are looking for a coastline that is cross offshore, and then that's kind of then. I think nowadays you'll look at Google Maps and you'll zoom in on a spot and you'll see if there's a reef there, which you can see on Google Maps now and. I think that's basically, but it all derives around surfing, I guess, and or hearing stories of the older guys, Scotty McCurcher, um, yeah. Sam Ireland, who's who Ross used to race with. <laughs> like the best, the the best windsurfing wave I think in the whole world is in a spot in Ireland, hmm. and it is a kind of secret spot. So I'm not going to say where it is. Ross has windsurfed at it. And Sam Ireland found that spot purely by chance. And I mean purely by chance. He, yeah, he looked at some maps. And the guy's from the west coast of Canada. Like, he's from Vancouver Island. <laughs> and he, he found the best place to windsurf in Ireland. And uh, that just shows you that, you know, it's anyone can do it. If you've got the 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 will and the patience and willing to sacrifice missing a good day at your home spot to travel, then like the UK and Ireland, and we got to mention Scotland, it's uh, like the, the world's your oyster as far as the UK and surfing is concerned. I think like what we all do is we work out between us like um 
I do most of my trips with like Jamie Hancock, Ross. I think that's about it. Actually, that's the only that's our kind of crew. You've been weedled down over the years, I think, you know, the guys that, you know, like, because you have other things going on as well, like, so you basically would take anyone that will go at that time. And it just happens to be the fact that, like, if you phone me or if you phone Jamie or if you phone Timo, the likelihood is if if you're going to mention that you're going to go somewhere and it could be epic, that these guys are probably going to drop everything to to be able to, you'll, you'll to go, even if it's just for a date. I know Timo's actually driven from the south coast of the UK up to Furzo or around that. that well, I flew back from Maui <laughs> because I was stuck in Maui on a <laughs> 10, 12-day no-win forecast, and Ross and Jamie... Uh, said that they were going to the island of Lewis. And I looked at the weather map and was like, yeah, that's so on. That's so on. <laughs> and I literally changed my flight from Maui that day because I was just going to be sat in Maui doing nothing. So to me, it didn't seem mad what I was doing. It seemed sensible. <laughs> and I f- flew into Heathrow, drove home, literally settled in my wife. And then drove to Portsmouth, hooked up with the boys, and we drove to I Love Lewis. So that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy, but understandable as well. Totally understandable. And it, it was, was and absolutely- it was absolutely smoking. <laughs> like so, it was yeah. worth it. <laughs> what's What's the point where you sort of when you go to one of these spots when you sort of decide to stay or move on and try and find a different spot? My wife. she she basically says you got to come home there's about three spots i know off the top of my head that i know work i know exactly when they work but they work at the same time as lots of other good spots in ireland so again you're having to drag yourself away um and maybe not score it and you've, you know, I, I think as we as you get older, you your, you your time is more. Don't you? Yeah, you yeah. go for the uh, day. Know, I could so. I could risk risk the whole day and go to this this spot that maybe is going to be working, or I can go to my guaranteed, you know, and it's going to yeah. be good. So it's diff- that, that's yeah. really difficult. I mean, like I think when do you choose to to take that risk with that spot i think like it depends on how much you've windsurfed in those in those the weeks leading up to it if yeah. you completely i think if you had a good run yeah if you had a good run of of, of sailing and it yeah. maybe and you would risk it the good spot ones. yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah and actually this winter i'd say was the winter to have done that it was i know there was a few spots in ireland we windsurfed this year that normally uh you would have wanted to but you you haven't had such consistent conditions but this year we got a lot of good consistent days that you actually were able to go do you know what i'll sacrifice a couple hours just to try these new spots out is there one spot you haven't gone to yet that you still sort of want to figure out want to try out what on the uk or in the uk or the world uh, for me, I haven't been to Nalu, and I think I would Oof. love to go to Nalu. Um, 
at some point, you know, like, yeah, that that's on my, that's on my bucket list. Nalu or uh, Cloud Break, somewhere like that. Um, in the UK, there's, there's a whole bunch of them, but I'm, I'll just wait until the time is right and I'll hit those up. Uh, yeah, me, I'm like, I've been in Norley's, like, I know Ross will just literally, but I don't think Ross would ever leave there. He's a goofy foot surfer. Um, you can surf every morning and then you just windsurf until you collapse in the evening and that's all you do. Eat, sleep, repeat. Uh, but I don't know. I'd like, I can't actually, I'd love to have gone to New Zealand. I think that's one of the spots I wish I'd got to go to. Um, but I think you need lots of time to go there. Like you need a three or four weeks because anyone I know that's gone there, it's just like a warmer version of Ireland. Um, but in the UK, it would be, I'd say, yeah, just lots of spots in Ireland. Um, there's even heaps of spots in Cornwall that um, are still definitely on. Um, and then Scotland's just an, a, another world, you know, like um, I think if I could do it all again, I would have not spent any of the money on traveling abroad and I would have bought a jet ski and tried to have got more into that, like using yeah. the jet ski. Because I, I look at what Thomas and Pierre are doing now with their ski and it just opens up a whole world, you know, a whole uh, different Are you saying that we, we need to buy a ski, Timo? Yeah, who do I know who has a ski? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, actually. I don't have a ski anymore, no. I yeah, I but I think that I think now with um, foiling, um, like surf foiling, oh. uh, yeah, and having a jet ski and just being able to have, and again going back to what we said earlier, if you're confident, um, having a jet ski, uh, sitting in a channel at any break, where it be like logo high or double mast high it's going to encourage you to go for it more because you know your friend can just come in pull you out take you back to the to where your car's parked grab another mast and get back out there again and let you drive uh, yourself to the hospital whilst he goes yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah you okay all right fine yeah yeah no worries yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah there's still there's still heaps of spots um to go windsurfing uh, that, I think that's the great thing again about windsurfing it's uh, I was reading an uh, article about a uh, golfer actually um, a sport that I'm not a huge fan of but it's still a sport and uh, the guy was obviously a very passionate and competitive famous golfer and he said the best the thing that he loves the most about golf is that he, he can never win it he can never beat the game, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think that's the same with windsurfing. You can never complete the game. It's like the game that will always beat you. So there's not one like Brasinho or Philip Coster cannot sit, no matter how many world titles they'll win, they'll never be able to sit on their seat and they, and they go, so did you win it? 
did you did you did you win that whole sport and they'll go yeah. no i have because uh, i think like that like you're always chasing that that feeling of like something that that like that feeling of doing a nice like just a memorable carve in in the wave you know something about it just feels so nice and like and you always know you could have done it better yeah you're like i wish i could have done it oh i could have pushed a little harder i could have jumped a little higher i could have risked a little more so it just brings you always brings you back and to going back out again and yeah just when can we go win surfing again yeah i'm dying finish off or sort of come up with a quick fire round of questions which you can um have a one-word answer you can explain a little bit how you want i think you're looking for a one-word answer now aren't you you like wrap it up <laughs> <laughs> we could do that yeah all right okay favorite windsurfer is the first one. Oh, <laughs> oh that's a uh, that's a tough one uh francisco goya okay like yeah, I mean, Policau back in the day, uh, Brazinho now, I'd say. Good choice, good choice. Um, if you could have a superpower, what would that be? <laughs> COVID-19 immunity power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, superpower, not to sound cheesy, yeah, but superpower with the half nice and make all this awfulness in the world go away for sure yeah but only so you can go windsurfing again <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> for sure there's a double-edged sword on that one yeah <laughs> i'll go with that one as well yeah for sure favorite windsurf movie i'd say i'm going i'm going three i'm sorry i'm gonna go alive by goya um francisco goya i'm gonna go polakai not the first one for sure that just like made wins website and what i wanted to do and greeny my younger brother's video that was dvd all about ireland for me the first polakai video that that's what really set me i was i think i was probably 13 or something when i used to watch that i probably wore, wore the tape out watching that with my brother one board and one sail for the rest of your life. Oh, Severn Mako 91 and my Blade, Severn Blade 50. Uh, Mako 91, love it. Uh, 88 De Curve and uh, 48 IQ. Awesome. All right, let's um, finish off. So, what is, you can either have your life motto or what motivates you the most? Life motto, first out, last in. And what motivates me, positive people motivate me. Love positive people. Yeah, a motto to live by. I don't know if I've got a a motto to live by. I don't know, just uh, understanding is better than confrontation. And shine a light or make someone happy each day. I think like whether it's like you're a member of your family, do something positive for someone else, you know, each day, like whether it's 
whether it's your family member or or someone you randomly ask you a question on the street, then try to try to be nice to them and understand them awesome. and treat yourself. <laughs> yeah, most important. Well, that was um, that was a great great first episode. I'll uh, be yeah. editing that away soon. First episode of like the trilogy. The trilogy. Hopefully, it's a trilogy. Um, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a random plug now, Lucas. Uh, if anyone does want to go uh, wave sailing to any of these epic spots, um, once we get through these bad times, I will be doing hosting trips to the likes of west coast of Ireland, Northwest Ireland, Cornwall, Isle of Lewis. Oh, so, oh, sign so, me up, mate. Uh, I'll come. So, yeah, yeah. So, check, keep keep up on my Instagram and you'll see details of all that coming. Oh, okay, huh? I will. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Oh. That's been uh, Timo Merlin, uh, Ross Williams, and me, Lucas Merlin. Thank you very much. And yeah, that was awesome. Cheers, boys. Thanks, guys. Bye.